Lord, we are grateful for this congregation, for everybody who is here, and for the members of our congregation who aren't here, Lord. Uh, we lift them up. Lord, we do lift up Joy Gibson and the Gibson family. Uh, they're worried about her as she is battling COVID, and, and Popsy as well, uh, getting over COVID, but in a rehab center. Uh, we're praying that he can get home soon, Lord. We, we lift him up to you. And Lord, for all the people who uh, can't be here today because they're not feeling well or uh, for various reasons, Lord, we just pray your blessing and your strength on them. Uh, we thank you for your great provision, Lord, and we ask you to restore them to full health. And Lord, for our message this morning, uh, we just pray that uh, we would hear the word, Lord, be changed by it, that your Holy Spirit would come and, and do the work that the Holy Spirit does, illuminating the word to us, uh, changing our hearts, conforming us more to Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the phrase, you can't fit a square peg in a round hole, has been used forever uh, in the corporate world. And, and what it means is that you shouldn't try to put somebody who's ill-suited to a particular job in a job that he's not suited for. And to prevent this, many companies uh, require prospective employees uh, to take a personality test, uh, such as the Myers-Briggs uh, Briggs test, to see if you're a good fit. Uh, so that test diagnoses four different areas of your personality. Uh, it's, it's looking to see whether a person is extroverted or introverted, uh, more of a thinking person uh, or more somebody who uh, behaves or, or thinks or reacts according to their feelings, uh, whether somebody assesses a situation based on facts about how things are or possibilities about how things could be or perhaps should be. Uh, and whether a person tends to adhere strictly to rules and deadlines or whether somebody has a more uh, flexible, laid-back attitude toward rules and deadlines. And so uh, you take this, this written test, and, and the test yields uh, a four-letter result that best describes you. And obviously, there are many combinations uh, that you could fall into. Uh, I've taken the test several times uh, just to see uh, particularly how I'm wired for ministry, uh, and I am an ISTJ. Uh, I lean toward introversion. I know that you find that hard to believe based on my effervescent and bubbly personality, but I tend to lean toward introversion. Uh, I like facts uh, more than I like possibilities. Uh, I make decisions uh, more on a thinking basis than how I feel about certain things. Uh, and I also uh, like rules and deadlines. I like when the plane gets landed. I like when decisions are made and, and things are completed. Uh, so that's just my personality. That is how I'm wired. So I would be horrible uh, at certain other jobs and tasks. And in fact, I have been horrible at certain other jobs and tasks that I have not been well suited for. Uh, I don't like to mingle in crowds with strangers. That, that's not me. Uh, I like decisions made. I like tasks completed. I recognize the value of feelings, how you feel about something, but I prefer uh, to base decisions on cold, hard facts. And I don't like possibilities open in the air. I like it on the ground and done. Uh, I'm not saying my way is right. It's just my personality. This is the way uh, that God made me. I could never be an actor or a fundraiser or in sales. Uh, that doesn't suit my personality. Some of those jobs might be perfect for you because of how God wired you but God made us all different, and I'm glad that he did. So knowing that we're different, how should we then serve in the body of Christ? 
Uh, last week, we started this new section in Romans, uh, starting in chapter 12, where uh, we've had all the theology of chapters 1 through 11, uh, and now we have to think about spiritual sacrifice. Uh, Paul started in verses 1 and 2 with, with basically thesis statements, I would call them. Uh, what do you do? You present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. Uh, how do you do it? By not being conformed to this world, but by, by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we do that by staying immersed in the word, by listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, but now, more specifically, drilling down even deeper, what specifically should each person do? Uh, how do we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? Where in the body, uh, particularly, should we serve? And uh, generally, it depends on your gifting. That is the general rule. As a general rule, don't try to fit yourself, if you're a square peg, into uh, a round hole. There's a place for square pegs, and it's in square holes. So look for an opportunity uh, to fit right. Uh, but that doesn't mean, and I don't want you to hear me say, that you can't serve in a place that you're not specifically gifted to serve. We, we can serve in those areas, even though we might not serve perfectly. Circumstances force us out of our comfort zones, right? And sometimes we are presented with an opportunity where we can serve even outside of our particular gifting. An imperfect service is better than no service. Uh, so we do the best we can. But God has given us certain natural gifts and certain spiritual gifts uh, that make serving a joy because we are so suited to the opportunity that we've been presented with uh, rather than a burden when we feel like we're serving in an area that doesn't suit us quite well. Well, we need to learn what these areas of service are. And how do we learn what they are? Well, we learn them by thinking about ourselves soberly, thinking about ourselves rightly, and then we'll better understand how specifically God has gifted us to serve in the body of Christ. So if we're going to determine our spiritual gifts and how to use them, uh, I find a three-step process in this passage. And the first one is to think soberly. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So Paul begins this passage by reminding his readers of the special grace. God has given Paul specifically special grace. Uh, Paul's unique calling from Jesus himself uh, when he fell off his donkey in Acts chapter 9 after seeing the risen Christ, that stamped Paul to proclaim God's word. Before then, Paul persecuted Christians wherever he went because he thought they were blasphemers by calling this Jesus by the name of God. And so Paul did everything he could to wipe them out. Uh, but then Jesus appeared to him and changed Paul's whole world. Before Jesus appeared to him, uh, Paul called himself the Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, uh, taught under the famous rabbi Gamaliel. No one had a better resume than Paul, and Paul was proud of it, very proud of his resume. But after he met Jesus, Paul considered all of these things rubbish uh, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. Well, what happened to Paul? Jesus happened to Paul, right? Grace happened to Paul. Uh, Paul crossed from death to life 
uh, his pride uh, was, uh, in his accomplishments was gone, and in humility he learned to think soberly about himself uh, by not being conformed to this world, by being transformed by the renewing of his mind, he learned what his gifting was. Paul was still zealous for God, wasn't he? But he was zealous in a new way. God pointed him in a new direction. Paul, take your zeal for me and do it like this now. Teach about Jesus Christ. And so Paul learned his gifts. Paul had the gift of evangelism. We'd all agree with that, right? Everywhere Paul went. He went about preaching the gospel uh, to anyone who would listen to him. And he would start in the Jewish synagogues. And when they turned him away, he would move into the Gentile marketplaces, the Gentile cities, proclaiming the name of God. Uh, He had the gift of evangelism. He also had the gift of teaching. He taught everywhere that he went. And not only that, he wrote 13 of the 27 letters in our New Testament. So Paul taught uh, by mouth. He also taught by paper uh, and by quill. And so he did that because he was able to think soberly about himself, think about what his gifts were, and then use the gifts that God had given him to expand his kingdom. And God's salvation of Paul and the gifts that God gave to Paul for use to the body were all by grace. Uh, God gives his gifts to us by grace. So uh, now that Paul has got them hopefully thinking, uh, thinking about uh, what their gifts are and thinking about grace, he, he tells them how not to think about themselves. Don't think about yourselves more highly than you ought. Now, this is a common problem among humanity in general, right? We tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Uh, And we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves, right? Which is another uh, problem. And so that's why we need to have our minds renewed and our our spirits transformed uh, as we continue to to think about service to God. We have to be infused with a, a very healthy dose of humility because otherwise, We're going to be unqualified to serve in the body of Christ because it's hard to bless the body when we're so consumed with self, right? How how does one who is self-focused turn those gifts of service that God has given into service to the body? So Paul wants us to continue daily this transformation so that we will avoid self-centered and self-exalting thinking. Thinking about ourselves can have a couple of effects. It can cause us, one, to overestimate our talents, right? We can definitely overestimate our talents. We've all seen square pegs try to fit into round holes. Uh, And we could take many examples. Leadership is one. You know, if if you uh, perceive yourself as a church leader, but nobody's following you, well, you may not be a church leader. Uh, And if you fancy yourself a singer, but, you know, glass breaks when you sing, you you might not be a good singer. Uh, So we're all gifted, and and sometimes we we have blind spots, right? We we don't see uh, where we might think we're gifted, but perhaps we're actually not. And so when that happens, we might need a Christian brother or sister to come alongside us gently and say, uh, why don't you try this area of service? You may not be particularly gifted in this area of service. Uh, So that's one way we can think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Another way is when we think certain tasks are beneath us, right? Like, uh, I I, I don't want to take out the garbage. I don't want to stack chairs. Uh, We don't want to do such menial tasks because we think such tasks are beneath us. And when we say that, or when we think that, what we're saying is, 
I don't think those tasks are beneath you, but you should do those tasks. I just think they're beneath me, right? So we start comparing ourselves to others. Uh, but the church has certain needs, and certainly menial tasks are among them. Uh, and we don't want to get into that way of thinking. So those are two ways of thinking more highly of ourselves. But even more dangerous than that is the thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought in terms of our salvation, in, in terms of taking credit for our salvation. When we start to forget about the grace that God has given to us and we start to think, well, you know, I got a pretty good resume and I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that and God's awfully fortunate to have me on his team. Uh, we can start thinking like that uh, and we forget that salvation is all by grace. And, and that's probably part of the reason why Paul started the passage by talking about the grace that has been given to me. Uh, and so what Paul wants us to see is that God's grace uh, is not a reward for good works. It's a gift. That's what makes it grace. It's a free gift. It's an, it's an unearned gift. It's an undeserved gift. Uh, for reasons known only to God, he chose you and he chose me to believe the gospel. Uh, he's chose us to believe that Jesus took the punishment for our sins on the cross and that by believing in him, we will have eternal life. Now, not all people believe that, right? Not all people believe that. And we can have a tendency toward arrogance, thinking, well, there must be spe something special about me that God chose me to believe that while he didn't choose uh, our uh, uh, brother or sister outside of the faith uh, to believe that. We can be tempted to arrogance. So we need to remember that our salvation is all of God and not us. So don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Well then, how should we think of ourselves? Well, we should think of ourselves with sober judgment. That's the opposite of thinking too highly about ourselves. It's true humility. We have to learn to see ourselves as we really are, not as we hope or wish that we might be. Uh, we are not, when we're thinking that way, we're not overestimating our skills, we're not underestimating our skills, we're not thinking that certain tasks are beneath us, but we're evaluating ourselves soberly with sound judgment. And we gain this ability by being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And with sober judgment, we will be fit for service. God gives us this ability in accordance with the faith that he has distributed to each of us. This doesn't mean a, a quantity of faith. It means a quality of faith that is, that is fit for service. Uh, not inward focused, but outward focused. Uh, God can use our faith to minister uh, however he has wired us to the body. And when we think about ourselves soberly, then we can say, I'm a square peg. I'm going to look for a square hole opportunity in which to serve. And we can do that, step one, by thinking soberly. Step two. Know your place in the body. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. Paul used this analogy often uh, of a believer's physical body with different parts having different functions to show the role of believers in the church. We could find it in 1 Corinthians. We could find it in Ephesians 4. Uh, his point is that just as each member of the body functions to serve the whole of the human body, so the role of each member in the church is to serve the church. Now, we need to get this straight as Christians 
Uh, as the human body does not serve the eye, but the eye serves the body, so we, as the members of the church, serve the church. The church does not exist to serve us. And I have noticed an alarming trend in our churches today. Christians have become consumers rather than contributors. Christians often church shop to see what church can do for them rather than what they can do for the church. I often hear Christians say, I didn't like the music. I didn't like the preaching. They were too old, too young, too loud, too quiet. Uh, they didn't do enough for missionaries. They did too much for missionaries. They were too shallow in their teaching, too deep in their preaching, too expository, too topical, uh, not enough programs, too many programs, nothing for my kids, and on and on it goes. That is consumerism. It's asking what we can get out of a church rather than what we can give to a church. And in Texas, where there's a church on just about every other street corner, it's very easy to church shop, right? If we don't like this church, we just go to the next block and see what they have, see what they're offering, see what they can give to us. But that's not the right attitude. We need to remember that we exist to serve the body, not vice versa. JFK famously said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Now, if you substituted church for country, we'd be on the right track, right? Ask not what your church can do for you, ask what you can do for your church. Then we have the right mindset. A consumerism starts from thinking about ourselves, thinking too highly of ourselves and our needs rather than thinking soberly about our gifts and how we can use them to serve the church. In the church worldwide, and in this local church, this little Grace Redeemer Community Church, the church has tons of needs. We have so many needs. And when each member thinks soberly about the gifts they have and are prepared to offer their bodies as living sacrifices in view of God's mercies, uh, then we will each perform the tasks that the church needs done. We might not do them perfectly, but we will do them with excellence. So, step one think soberly. Step two, know your place in the body. Step three, serve according to your gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then lead diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All right, so Paul has laid out some general principles here. And now it's time for some very practical and individual application of his message. So, have we considered God's mercies? Are we prepared to offer ourselves as living sacrifices? Are our minds being transformed by the renewing of them by the Holy Spirit and by Scripture? Are we thinking soberly about ourselves and our gifting? Well, if the answer is yes to all of those questions, then we're prepared, then we are ready to serve. So Paul says, serve according to your gifts. And let's first notice that these gifts are given by grace. God gifts every believer uh, with spiritual gifts so that they are equipped for service in the body of Christ. Paul says we have different gifts, which means that God doesn't have a mold for all Christians that he puts us all into. God loves variety. He gives us all different gifts. Uh, and it doesn't do any good to envy anybody else's gifts, although I must confess that I wish I could play piano like Cherry or like Faye or like Mama Cherry. I do wish I could do that. But if everybody played piano, 
we'd have a problem, wouldn't we? Uh, who would play the guitar? Who would play the drums? Who would play the bass? And not only that, uh, who would uh, teach Sunday school? Who would welcome people, greet them on the way in? Uh, who would run the AV system? Uh, who would visit the sick, pay the bills, uh, check the mail, and, and do all the other things that the church needs done? That's why God gives us so many various gifts. Uh, and so uh, let's now look at the specific gifts that Paul mentioned here. Now, I want us to see that this is by no means an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. In fact, there are other lists found uh, in 1 Corinthians, in Ephesians, uh, and even those I don't think are exhaustive. I think they're representative of the gifts that, that God may give. Uh, and the first one that Paul talked about is prophesying. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, we often think of prophesying as predicting the future, don't we? Uh, predicting what is going to happen in the future. And it can mean that. Uh, but more generally, it just means the ability uh, to receive and proclaim a message for God. So there are two categories of prophecy. Uh, there is foretelling and there is forthtelling. Now, foretelling is when a prophet speaks about a future event. We see this frequently in the Old Testament. Take Isaiah, for example, uh, prophesied in Isaiah 7, 9, and 11 about the coming of Christ and, and uh, the kingdom that would rest on his shoulders. Or Isaiah 53, for example, where he talks about uh, the servant who would die uh, for our sins. That is foretelling. But forthtelling, forthtelling is far more common. It's when somebody speaks to strengthen or to teach or to encourage or to comfort. We prophesy whenever we preach or teach or exhort or proclaim God's truth. And Paul says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. I just want to talk about this for a minute because uh, in the Greek, uh, it actually has the article before the word faith. So an alternative translation might be, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to the faith. Well, what's the difference? Uh, prophesying according to your faith is subjective, right? It's according to your faith. But prophesying according to the faith is objective. It means that if your prophecy contradicts Christian doctrine, the orthodox doctrine of the church, uh, then don't prophesy because it isn't from God. Now, I prefer the second translation uh, because the article is present in the actual Greek and because I believe that uh, we have to prophesy according to the faith. Uh, the church doesn't need a word from every single person from God who thinks he has one. It has to be in accordance with the faith. Uh, the, the church needs to be edified by the Spirit of God who never contradicts himself. And I think we have to be very careful with prophecy. We had our elders meeting over breakfast a few weeks ago at a, at a local restaurant, and uh, uh, you who there may remember this, we had a guy who uh, uh, sat next to us, he, he got up, he paid his bill, and then he came back uh, and stood in front of our table, and he said, uh, I heard you guys talking about church. Uh, are you Christians? And uh, I always get nervous when somebody comes up and says that, because I don't know if they want something, if they need help, or if they want to have a fight. I, you never know what to expect. Uh, but I said, yeah, we're evangelical Christians. Uh, he said, would you be interested if I told you that there are 12 living prophets right now prophesying uh, the truth about God? And I said, what church are you from? And he said, the Church of Jesus Christ. And I said, you're from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? 
he was a Mormon. Uh, and so I gently tried to explain to him that, that I could not follow the prophets that he follows because those prophets teach that Jesus is not eternal. They, they, they don't believe that he was eternal and eternally God. Uh, I told him that I couldn't follow uh, Jesus, who was not born God, but became God by obedience to the Father, and that you and I can become gods in like manner, and, and, and some you know, other things that, that they believe. Uh, I wish I had been you know, more eloquent on the spot. Uh, you know, when you're in those situations, you're just not expecting it to happen, and you, you, know, you stutter a little bit, but eventually I got out what I was trying to say, and uh, I wish I would have had more time with him, but uh, you know, after a couple seconds, he held his hand up, hands up like this, and, and he walked away, and that was it. That was, that was the, our conversation. But uh, that's why we have to be very careful about subjective prophecy. There are millions of people who follow Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam, uh, all based on prophecy, alleged prophecy, uh, that you know, we would say is false prophecy. So the test for prophecy is whether it agrees with scripture and orthodox church doctrine. If the prophecy does not agree with the faith, it's not a gift from God. So we don't want that kind of prophecy. But, but if you're prophesying in accordance with Orthodox Christian doctrine, then we ought to prophesy. Uh, he says, if your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. All right, so the rest of uh, these gifts here are much less controversial. Uh, if your gift is serving, then serve. Uh, serve uh, comes from the, the Greek word diakono, which is the word that we get our word deacon from. Now, deacons serve in the church in whatever way is needed, and, and we definitely thank our deacons for their service. But you don't have to hold the office of deacon to have the gift of service. You can have the gift of service without being a deacon. Obviously, uh, the spiritual gift of service is the ability that God gives to identify needs, maybe unseen needs, and, and figure out how you're going to use your resources to help meet that unmet need. Uh, and obviously... Being a deacon, uh, you can have the gift, but you don't have to have the gift. So do you love to be a deacon? You don't have to have uh, that gift necessarily. But do you love to serve and minister to others? Do you see need where perhaps other people don't see need? And do you uh, think about the resources that you have that could perhaps meet that need? Uh, if so, you have the gift of service. Now, again, I want to be careful here. Uh, even if you don't have the gift of service, you can still serve, right? If we need the chairs stacked or the garbage taken out, we shouldn't say, well, I, you know, I don't have the gift of service. I can't do that. Uh, we don't want to say that. We want to uh, serve wherever we can. We don't need the gift of service to perform manual tasks. Anyone can do those. Uh, teaching is the next uh, gift that, that Paul mentions here. Teaching requires knowledge, the ability to research, organize your thoughts and ideas, and be able to communicate those thoughts in a way that somebody else can understand and then apply to their lives. So uh, if you can do that, then you may have the gift of teaching. Uh, and if you think you have that gift, you can come and see me, and I would be glad to put you to work. So uh, the gift of teaching is, is something that the church always needs. The fourth gift is the gift of encouragement. The Greek word for encouragement here is the Greek word parakaleo. And we've talked about this word before. It's a compound word. It's from the word kaleo, which means to call, and the word para, which means to come alongside. So parakaleo is to call to one side, to, to walk with me, uh, to, to let me walk along with you. 
The Greek noun paraclete comes from this same word. So in John chapter 14, uh, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will send another helper to you. The word for helper is paraclete, one who comes alongside the Holy Spirit, who encourages, intercedes, and helps. Well, that's what an encourager does. Encouragers challenge people to grow. They comfort them when they're down. Do you love to build people up? Is that something that you are gifted in? Do you love to comfort people when they need an encouraging word? Do people seek you out when they're down? Uh, Are you somebody that people uh, always seem to want to talk to? Well, if so, you probably have the gift of encouragement. And in this world of sickness and disease and death and everything that's going on in our country and around the world, We need encouragers. So if you have the gift of encouragement, don't be shy about it. Use that gift. Use it liberally. Think about someone you know, and probably if you're gifted, you don't need me to tell you this. You see these needs. But think about somebody you know who needs this gift of encouragement and go ahead and encourage them. The fifth gift is the gift of giving. If nothing makes you happier than to give the money you have or the time you have or the talent you have uh, to, to help someone else, to serve someone else, then you probably have the gift of giving. And I think that, that many of you in this church have that gift. In my time here at Grace Redeemer, I, I've seen generosity. I've experienced personally generosity uh, that is quite amazing. And, and through this pandemic, when, when so many uh, people have struggled, when businesses have closed and even churches have closed, this church has stayed open. And we've not only survived, but we've thrived And so your giving is just a mark of Christian maturity. And the fact that you give as faithfully as you do shows that you have that gift. And I'm sure that many of you, I know that many of you, give in ways that I know nothing about. And so I just am thankful for your service. The sixth gift is leadership. God gives grace to certain members of the body to set vision, determine priorities, Uh, perform certain functions, delegate other functions to others to achieve certain goals. Leaders lead by example. They exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They have the ability to to, uh, see uh, and figure out how to get to an end point. So uh, if you're able to manage people, uh, if you're able to to, uh, figure out how to get things done, set a vision and figure out how to accomplish those things, uh, and you have the attitude of a servant leader, that's a very big deal, or a shepherd leader, uh, then you are uh, a leader with the gift of leadership. Uh, A servant leader is, is a leader who has the mindset of a servant and not a tyrant, right? That's a very big difference. A true leader is is somebody that other people want to follow, not that they're forced to follow. Uh, A leader who chases after his own glory or his own advancement is not a leader in terms of the leadership uh, gift that we're talking about. Uh, A church leader uh, should lead diligently, which means uh, with all the energy that he has, persistently with hard work for the glory of God and for the benefit of the body. And then finally, the last gift is mercy. God's mercy to us is him not giving us the punishment that we deserve. Now, we live in a broken world because of sin. It's everywhere around us. We cannot miss it. It's in the church as well as it is in secular society. And we in the church have no right to look down our nose at anybody else. There's enough trouble in the church. 
Now, if God only cared about justice, he would leave us in our brokenness because primarily, first, all sin is against God, right? Before it's against the person sinned against. But what does God do? Instead of giving us judgment, he sent his only beloved son to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life with him. That's mercy. Any person who is saved has experienced God's mercy. And people with the gift of mercy are so desperately needed today. They reflect God's mercy to others. They can show compassion and help people without judging. So if someone is homeless because they have a drug problem and their own drug problem caused them to be homeless, somebody with the gift of mercy can go up to them, uh, see the need, uh, and is willing to feed them without judging them and with compassion, even though their addiction is their fault. If someone is sick with HIV because of a promiscuous lifestyle, uh, people with the gift of mercy can tend to their needs without condemning them for their lifestyle. Uh, and of course, we are uh, admonished to, to gently steer them back onto the right way, but we don't look at them first and say, well, it's your own fault. Uh, that's not how the attitude is of somebody with mercy. They, they see a need with compassion, they try to help heal, and they try to restore without condemning. So if you have the gift of mercy, Paul says, use it cheerfully. And if you have the gift of mercy, I'm sure you do use it cheerfully because it is a joy uh, to, to help somebody in need. Well, how do we serve? Uh, I think this sermon applies itself, really. Uh, think soberly. That's the first thing. Recognize that we exist to serve the body and not vice versa. And finally, use your specific gifts to serve the body. But I'll add three quick things uh, that we can do to get started in using our spiritual gifts. And the first one is this, take a spiritual gifts inventory. I hear a lot of people say, I, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, you can think about the spiritual gifts that we talked about. We just named seven of them. Uh, if one of those sounds like you, well, you may have that specific gift. But if you're still unsure, uh, these spiritual gift inventories are all over the internet. You can take a questionnaire and it'll uh, spit out a, a, a list of gifts that you have according to uh, how you seem wired. So it'll spit out the top three of your spiritual gifts. Take two tests to cross-check your results, just in case. Uh, you might be surprised at what your area of gifting is according to the results. But in addition, you can also ask your spouse, ask your friends, where do you think I'm gifted? You know, it, it, most Christians are able to see other people's spiritual gifts more easily than they can see their own. So ask people you know. If you keep hearing the word leader, teacher, encourager, you know, if you hear those words over and over again, those are probably your spiritual gifts. So figure out what your spiritual gifts are. Now, I say take the spiritual gifts inventory, find out what your spiritual gifts are. And then in the second thing, I say you can serve where you're not gifted. So on the one hand, take the gifts, on the, take the inventory, on the other hand, ignore the inventory, right? Both at the same time is what I'm asking you to do. The danger of a spiritual gifts inventory is that we, can, we decide that we can only serve according to our gifts. And then inventory becomes an excuse for not serving in other areas of need. I'm, I'm sorry you're down in the dumps, and I'd really like to encourage you, but, you know, I don't have the gift of encouragement. Uh, I, I'd love to tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but I don't have the gift of evangelism, so on your way. <laughs> that's, that's not how we do it, right? That is not how we do it. We serve imperfectly, even if we're not gifted in that particular area. So we do the best we can with what God has given us. God is sovereign. He has put that specific particular person in front of you for a reason. 
So sometimes, even if you're a square peg, you do your best to fit into the round hole. There are times as a pastor where I have to be an extrovert, and I don't like being an extrovert, but I have to be an extrovert to do uh, the roles of pastor. Uh, so do your best. And I think you might find one of three things might happen. All of these three things might happen. You might find that you have a gift that you did not even realize that you had when you are making yourself do something that you feel is outside your comfort zone. Or God may give you the exact gift that you need at the exact time that you need it when that person presents that themselves to you with a need. Or God may be developing a spiritual gift in you. He doesn't give you all the gift all at once. You need to work on yourself. It might not be great evangelizing the first time you try it, but by the time you do it the 10th time, the 50th time, it might be as natural as breathing air. So don't be afraid to allow God to stretch and grow you and develop spiritual gifts in you. So take a spiritual gifts inventory, ignore the spiritual gifts inventory, serve where you're not gifted, and three, decide to be a living sacrifice. It all begins with an attitude of service, doesn't it? Uh, we have to decide to pour our lives out, to be the living sacrifice. We're going to have opportunities that are in our wheelhouse and opportunities that are outside of our wheelhouse. And if we have the right attitude, we can be effective either way. So most of you are serving in the body of Christ. I think probably all of you are in some capacity, but if you're not, think about it. What can you do? What are your spiritual gifts? Ask God this week how he wants to use you in this body. And sometimes we, as the leaders of the church, have to make our needs known. So I asked for deacons. I got volunteers for deacons. I said, Mama Cherry needs somebody to visit with her. People stepped up and visited Mama Cherry. I mean, that's awesome. That is the sign of a healthy church. Uh, so we have needs in this body. Uh, please ask, how you, ask God how you can use them. Uh, ask us how you can use those gifts. Uh, we serve because Jesus sacrificed himself to serve us. And because we love him, we want to get busy growing his kingdom however we can using the gifts that he's given us. Amen? Lord God... We do thank you that you have gifted us all differently. And Lord, uh, we all have gifts that we can use to serve the body of Christ. Lord, thank you that you have not left one of us without some gift that can be used for your service, Lord. If that were true, we would feel like we did not have the ability to serve, Lord. But we know that that's not true. We can all do something. Lord, this week, uh, in view of God's mercies, uh, in view of all that Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, Lord, we pray that we would seek out our spiritual gifts, seek ways to serve both inside the church and outside the church, that we would look for opportunities not only to serve, but Lord, to build your kingdom by service so that when they see us, they might see our good deeds and glorify our Father who is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.